Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This portion of the Tech Night Owl Live is brought to you by Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase, go to squarespace.com, use the offer code TECHNIGHTOUT. On the show this week, we have Charles Tendell, a certified ethical hacker, and John Martellero of the Mac Observer on the Tech Night Out Live. We welcome to the Tech Night Out Live, Charles Tendell. He is co-host of the Computer America Show, which, of course, is run by our friend Craig Crossman. But he's also a certified ethical hacker. Now, is that an oxymoron, Charles? (laughs) Ethical and hacker? Please explain what this means. Well, you know, at first glance, you'd think that's exactly what it was, is people are thinking, oh my God, what? there's no such thing as an ethical hacker. But there actually is. There are several thousand of us around the world, actually. What we are is everything you hear about the malicious hackers, but we're the good guys. We have the same skill set, same mindset, same design, same ideas, or same functional working structure as all the malicious hackers, but we use our powers for good and not evil. A lot of times on Computer America, we joke, you know, Charles is not a black hat, he's not a white hat, he's a gray hat. Uh, and that's a reasonable, that's a reasonable statement. I stay right kind of in the middle because you can't you can't be 100% good and be good at your job. You've got to be in places and listen and keep your ear to the ground in order to be effective, an effective ethical hacker. Okay, did you start as an ethical hacker or as a hacker? Uh, I started as a hacker. Um, I was that kid who who his father brought home in their first computer and said, don't touch it. And it was all downhill from there. Well, my son didn't hack. He just tried to throw everything into the trash. <laughs> That's kind of a form of hacking. I guess it is, you know, destroying all your data. Uh-huh. If you want to be malicious about it. But, you know, even in the recycle bin or in the trash bin, it's all still, you know, recoverable. It's all still easy to get back. But, okay, let's talk about your odyssey. So you were a regular hacker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you decided to become street legal. Was this enforced upon you or is it a creative decision? Well, a little bit of both. I was that hacker who who did things in school, got into his school databases, did all kinds of fun stuff as a kid. Grew up, uh, joined the U.S. Army, was doing missile defense for the Army for for a number of years. And then some of my higher-ups in the brass, they they noticed that, you know, Charles had this unique ability to to do things on a computer. So I got tasked out to various different military intelligence units and the military police investigation and criminal investigation division and so on and so forth. And the hacker in me developed into, wow, I can actually do good things things with these abilities and these abilities aren't necessarily so bad as they've been spun and then after i got out of the army um i went to work for various different three-letter government agencies and you know boeing and lockheed martin and things like that and continued down the path of you know keeping the the good guy hacker alive and realize that the industry really kind of needs people like us the majority of the guys who are still all malicious and everything else there's for lack of a better term there's no money in it they're good. They want to be infamous and they want to be, you know, they want to be well known for these crazy hacks. And there's the strong possibility of going to jail, you know, and I don't like that idea. So I, I took the path less traveled and took the same skills to, to the enterprise. But isn't it possible for the non-ethical hacker or the regular hacker to sell his skills to somebody who wants to do mischief or nasty stuff? Absolutely. That's kind of a big market. So there's only so much time that they can keep doing that without getting caught. 
at some point they're going to want to be they're going to want to get known for the hack, the latest hack that they just did they're going to want fame they're going to want all this other stuff and eventually they're going to cross the wrong person and they're going to end up you know either behind bars or you know having to to pay some serious fines okay so you did legitimately but let's look at say this problem that affected target okay now first explain to our listeners what was done and was that something done just for mischief or something where people obviously are going to earn money from the stolen credit card numbers? Well, it's a, it's actually a multi-tier attack in the terms of Target and even Marcus and all these other ones. First, the gentleman who actually, or the, the suspected person who actually created the malware that ended up on these point-of-sale systems, he was doing it just to sell the software. Like, he was going to make money from selling the software. And in and out of there, in some places, he actually said, look, I'll sell you this for 2000 3000 you know, $10,000 plus a portion of the bounty that you get from the cards that you get. So he was trying to make money just doing it that way. So that was the baseline malicious portion. Then the people using the software, they went and they got it onto the machines, however they got it onto the machines. Typically it's, you know, they click the link or inside job or however they got it there. They turn around and those people take the cards and they divide that up into two piles. One pile is these are the cards that I'm going to sell on the black market for other people to use. Um, and these are the cards that I'm going to use to purchase things for myself. The last of those two, the the purchase things for myself is the more high risk one. You know, selling of stolen credit cards is also high risk. There are multiple players involved here. And in the end, the game was, you know, financially motivated. Um, they wanted the money from the, that was contained on the cards and the money that could be used to sell after selling these cards. Well, sounds like something that somebody could sell for millions of dollars for what it was worth. On average, these card numbers sell from anywhere from a couple of hundred to $10,000 a piece, depending on the card. For example, a your standard Visa debit card, a couple of hundred bucks on the black market. Your black American Express card, a couple of thousand to $10,000 on the black market, because typically those cards, you can run them dry and buy a Ferrari. <laughs> All right. So if you're using an American Express and you left home with it and you went to Target, you're in trouble. Now, Target first said 40 million, then turned it to 70 million. Are they undercounting? Definitely. You have to think about it this way from, from an enterprise perspective. They're trying to save face. They lost, and originally it was, it was 10 million, then it was 40 million. And the last, I think, count was almost 200 million card numbers were stolen by this. And, you know, it's going to keep going up and up and up as the shock and awe actually dies down on it all. One, it's, a, it's an organization who doesn't understand the full scope of the breach yet because they're still investigating. And two, they don't want to be seen as lacking in their security mechanisms. And they don't want to lose any more revenue than they already have. I mean, have you driven past a Target in the last month? I was there yesterday. And how many people were there? Well, let's just say not as many as a few weeks earlier. <laughs> or if you are there, everybody's dealing in cash. Well, that's it. Or maybe they should accept Bitcoin. If they accepted Bitcoin, they'd probably be more secure. We'll ask you about Bitcoin in a moment, by the way, because we added a Bitcoin donation link on my site for people who want to make donations. But... The programming is all messed up. I'll get into that later. Uh -huh. All right. Is there something Target could have done to avoid this problem? Yes. There are actually several different levels that, that Target could have done. First, you have to understand that security security is an additional step that most retailers don't want to force their, their customers, their patrons to go through because they fear that that extra few seconds, that extra minute or so, or that extra point of failure is going to cost them more money in the long run. 
Target could have implemented, just much like they do in Europe, they could have implemented several different security mechanisms to prevent this from happening. In in Europe, there are smart cards that have an additional chip in them that authorize certain information. The consumer themselves on their bank card could have had monitoring on them. If we had some sort of two-factor verification with every card purchase, it would be easier. You know, it would be even more secure. Just little things that would have prevented all of this. You know, Target and Neiman Marcus and you know some of the other you know ones that are going to come out here in the next few days. They've all gone through what's called PCI compliance checks. Those checks are flawed. It's a great warm and fuzzy blanket for the auditor and for the the CFO of a company to be able to say, look, we're PCI compliant and we save on these fees. But the hard reality behind all of these mechanisms is PCI means nothing to a hacker. Absolutely nothing. Other than the fact that I'm going to use it as a roadmap to attack your system. So PCI gives you the technique that you use to do your mischief. That's fascinating. Well, I mean, all of these security procedures and protocols and things of that nature that have been uh, implemented or, you know, the policies that get written, it's, it's all standardized. It's all cookie cutter. If I were to come to you and say, Gene, we're going to make, we're going to make Tech Night Owl a PCI compliant infrastructure. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to require you to have strong passwords. Strong passwords consist of numbers, letters, special characters, upper and lower case. And we're going to continue that in our next segment. Charles Tendell, a certified, as opposed to certifiable like me, certified ethical hacker with Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. You know, folks, I have a close relative who has been trying to set up a website. He gets his domain, looks great, but what about the site? What does he do next? Where does he start? Well, Squarespace, it's the all-in-one platform, makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. Squarespace offers 24-7 support. And it's cheap. It only costs as little as $8 a month. You know, really inexpensive to set up your professional website. And you can start a trial with no credit card required. Build your website today in minutes. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code Tech Night Owl. That's Tech Night Owl to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support to the Tech Night Owl Live. We thank Squarespace for supporting our show. Check them out at squarespace.com, squarespace.com. Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. Time and time again. Do you need to call? 
come here and help us. We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Will the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me? Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster with MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. <laughs> but don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA for herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3, 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain. Normally $26.95, now just $20. HerbalHealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click the Winter Specials button to save on our natural cold and flu-fighting products. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Charles Tendell joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg here in the Tech Night Out Live. As we said, he's a certified ethical hacker. And he's talking about the fact that if you have PCI compliance, you're giving the hackers a roadmap into the measures you're taking so they know how to work around. Okay, so we have the secure passwords, which uh-huh. everyone should do anyway. Everybody should do anyway. Uh, PCI goes on further to say, you know, you need to make sure you have, a, you know, logical separation between critical units. Um, typically, with this type of fire, with with firewall infrastructures here, and so on and so forth. PCI and all these other compliance ones lays out how you should do what's called defense in depth. It tells you how you should set up, you know, external firewall, DMZ, internal firewall, another firewall separating your your non-critical systems from your critical systems and your user base, and so on and so forth. All that does for for a hacker is if I go to a website and I'm doing a footprint or, or, or fingerprint on a, on a, on a organization that, that I'm going to potentially hack. I'm going to go to your website and I'm going to suck down every bit of information that's on your website that I can. And if on your website is a big, beautiful SSAE 16 or PCI compliant seal or statement, I know exactly where not to attack on your network. So I shouldn't run the seal. You shouldn't run the seal. You shouldn't give me that information. No. I should basically say nothing. You should. The less, the less you tell me about your security infrastructure, the more I can go and look and potentially trip some of your, your booby traps and some of your, your notification and alert systems. All right. The key here is that you want to keep your security techniques 
as quiet as possible because anything you do say will alert the people who want to do nasty things to you. Exactly. All right. Now, the other thing I heard, one of the things that Target could have done is having support for credit cards with these smart chips. Correct. But who's offering credit cards with smart chips in this country? Most of the time, it's been the card processors, the developers. For example, some of the larger you know, debit card organizations at one point had a setup where you could use what was called um, the RFID chip in your card. Not necessarily more secure, but you know, it, it was more convenient. It's really just a matter of adding a few dollars to the development of the card process, and the, the people who print them can, can add this functionality to it. And it also comes down to the additional infrastructure to be able to read these specialized cards. But when was the last time you used one of the card readers, like the credit card reader? Well, I don't use it, but they obviously have point-of-sale terminals where I swipe the card. Right. Well, if you look on the front, on the very front of the majority of these, there's a little slot. And that slot is where you would slide one of these common access cards or one of these smart cards into it. So the physical ability to do these things is available to the majority of these retailers. The logical connection for all of them, the, the setups with the 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 back-end things to do it, those would be more costly. But that's something that consumers would never see. It's really not hard. And now that we have the advent of things like Touch ID and it's rumored there's going to be another you know, type of thing that's going to be coming out like this, everybody's carrying around smartphones. It would be ridiculously simple to just generate a code and have it display on your screen and then swipe that code and now you're paid, you know, as opposed to using, you know, these these crazy card readers or going on with all this other infrastructure. The bottom line is the reason that most of this doesn't happen is, is it's money driven. They're so worried that they're going to lose that $20 transaction because of the additional security mechanisms that they don't implement them. You know, and they're like, well, you know, this is the cheapest way to get it out there. It's going to take, you know, an additional 30 seconds for the customer to do this. We don't want to do it. Fast forward to a breach of this magnitude, and now they've lost hundreds of millions of dollars. So it would have been cheaper to have given the customers one step of additional inconvenience. Now, is it worse, I assume, if you run your debit card as a debit card as opposed to credit, because with a debit card, you're adding your PIN number? Well, even still, a lot of these breaches, think of the amount of information that people have put into this system, not just their card number. They've put their personally identifiable information in there. You know, your PIN code, that's great. Now, if I've got your PIN, now I can go and duplicate your card and start doing what's called a cash out attack and start just pulling cash off your card, you know, as if I were standing in an ATM or if I were using it for online purchasing or anything of that nature. The PIN code is really kind of irrelevant when you're dealing with a, a physical or a software skimmer, in the, in the, as was the case here. So don't use the PIN code. Use a PIN because it adds an additional layer of security when dealing with like ATMs and things of that nature. But for this particular occurrence, all of the information that was passed through that point of sale system was what was captured. For example, you swipe your card. If you didn't have a pen, all I would have is your card number, the expiration date, name, and whatever information might be attached to that card. If you swipe your card into the same system and you use it as a debit card, I have all of the same information plus your four-digit pin, which may be the four-digit pin for other things around the world. So it's it's kind of you know kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't type of situation. Now you mentioned other vendors were also impacted, not just Target, not just Neiman Marcus. Do you know who the others are? I have a large and, and relatively well-confirmed suspicion, um, but until they break it, I can't actually say. But we assume big retailers. Right. One of the largest retailers in the world is actually about to announce that they, they may have been compromised as well. 
Is that one that only does business online? And no. has No, it's not that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Or it could be that supermarket. It's, it's, uh, it's a well, it's a well, all I can say right now without any sort of confirmation is it's a very well-known retailer who, who would probably lose far more money than Nemo Marcus and Target combined uh, if the, the suspicion is confirmed. So you're not going to say Walmart? <laughs> I am not going to say Walmart. No. Okay. We didn't say Walmart. I just think at this point, <laughs> is there any advice for anyone? I mean, it looks to me as if wherever anyone has done a transaction, any mass market retailer, there's a big risk here. And there we is. may learn more about it very soon. But if that's the case, should we all call our banks and say, give me a new credit card yesterday? Yes. I mean, if you've shopped at any of these large name retailers and you are worried that your card information may have been compromised, absolutely call up the call up your card provider and say, "Look, we need to get a new card." And they're ready for it right now. They're 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 mass printing these cards right now, um, and that is the best and fastest way to make sure that your card information doesn't get stolen. And again, Gene, you have to understand that these guys, um, a lot of the people who did get compromised, they don't know they've been compromised yet. And they won't know until after all of this has begun to die down. The media is not paying, not, not paying too much attention to it. You know, they're going to wait six, 10, 12 months for the people that have, you know, to, to, for all the people who are going to jump and, and change their card number, they're going to wait for the one or twos who are like, you know, it really didn't impact me. I don't remember going to target. It doesn't bother me. And then they're going to hit those cards either with a cash out, or you're going to start seeing people buying things on Amazon or on, on these online retailers and having them shipped to random places in Cambodia. Oh boy. Well, I don't know. I just think we should go back to cash. Well, cash is, is, is a good option. You know, it's, it's safe. It's secure. I don't You don't have to worry about anybody stealing your cash, but are you going to walk in and buy a $40,000 car in cash? Well, I wouldn't, but you know, <laughs> usually with a car though, You'll get financing through the dealer or through your mm-hmm. bank. Uh-huh. All right. Now, how does that impact anything? Because you're not using a credit card. You're simply signing papers. Well, most people don't. Most people, maybe the car was a bad example. But when you start dealing in cash and large amounts of cash, uh, most people aren't comfortable carrying around a lot of cash. I can you tell know, you so- stories, but I don't want to do that right now. <laughs> Charles Tendell joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We are America's largest independently owned communications network, GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. 
U.S., one in every 50 homes will have a break-in this year. Burglars call it smash and grab. Police call it robbery. We call it avoidable. We are Fake TV, a simple electronic device that can fool even professional burglars. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet and simulates the changing colors of a television. To a burglar, it looks like someone must be home watching TV, so they'll likely move on to an easier target. At only $29.95, Fake TV costs less than a month of most alarm monitoring plans and comes with free shipping. Order your Fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. Now you can get the same survival food U.S. Special Forces use on their toughest field missions. High-protein, high-energy, freeze-dried foods known as long-range patrol rations or LERPs. Soldiers love LERP rations. They're lightweight and easy to carry. Easy to prepare by just adding water. Easy to enjoy because they taste great. Civilians love LERPs as a solution for emergency preparedness and recreational activities with limited storage space, such as hiking, climbing, sailing, or RV travel. Veteran-owned Freeze-Dry Guy is your exclusive source for this 2013 U.S. military overrun. Long on nutrition, these delicious entrees have a long shelf life, lasting decades. But this rare opportunity, this limited supply, will not last long. You have to act now. Call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD. Or log on now to freezedryguy.com, freezedryguy.com. There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. A certified ethical hacker, Charles Tendell, joins us. We're talking about the impact and the outgrowth of that attempt to record all millions and millions of credit card numbers and PIN numbers from Target and Neiman Marcus and maybe a major retailer that is not being identified today. And we're talking about things that can go wrong. Okay, the thing with cash, of course, is they steal your cash. You just got that, that amount of cash right there. You're stuck. Right. If they take your credit card, you call the bank and say, I got these phony charges. Fix it. Mm-hmm. And as you know, the other thing, the other thing that people are that, that, that like, I tell my customers, 
when you come, when you when you go overseas or you go shopping or you do anything online, and a lot of people think this is a, a ridiculously unnecessary step, I have multiple accounts, and one of them is is designated as my spending account. Anytime there's there's usually a zero balance in that account. Okay, usually a zero balance in that account, unless uh, until the time I go to to make a purchase. When I go to make a purchase, money is transferred from my primary account to this account to spend, and then it goes back to zero. There's usually a very small amount in there. So if this card gets stolen, all you're going to get is the couple of hundred dollars that are in there. You're not going to get, you know, you know, my my main bank account. That's an additional kind of spending firewall that I that I tell my clients, and a lot of them are like, well, that still adds a good couple of minutes to my transaction. I'm like, well, you put overdraft protection on it. It'll let you overdraft it so that you can do it and then transfer after the fact. And they're still like, well, that's still one more step that I have to remember doing. It's either you do the additional step or you stand in risk of losing everything in your bank account. And not only everything in your bank account, the things that are relying on the money in your bank account, now you get additional fees. You know, while everything in your bank account from these fraudulent charges are the banks will normally give back, they'll say, hey, look, we, we recognize this is a fraudulent charge. Let's give it back. Okay. The fees that were generated from, you know, bounced checks, from, you know, insufficient funds, from, you know, overdrafts, from things like that, the fees that are generated from that, those can mount up real fast, especially if this, tar- if you, if, if your money gets all stolen at, say, the first of the month and now you've got, you know, your mortgage is due, your car note is due, your, you know, your bill, your electric bill is due. All this is due at the same time and it's all set to auto come out. If there's no money there, now you get, you know, we missed it. Now we're going to hit you with this fee. We're going to do this, that, and the other. And that'll mount up real quick. So the the residual effects of an attack like this are more than just the, the I got a couple of hundred dollars stolen off of my card. What about online payment services like PayPal? Are they safe? Mm, safer. They're safer than than physical retailers there's much there's there's it's a lot harder to steal card information from these guys because their information is all stored electronically you're not swiping it there's no there's no way to really man in the middle other than you know doing a phishing attack you know and those phishing attacks while they are effective you know they're not they're not necessarily they're not necessarily as prevalent um, as a as a physical credit card skimmer, um, PayPal has a very strong you know fraud detection system. You know, there's a lot of different stuff that goes in there to actually protect you, and you are physically entering in all of your information and not your you're you're not swiping or or leaving your card stuff there. You have to type it, add codes, and all that other high speed stuff. Of course, the other thing about PayPal is they do have a Mastercard style debit card that would be subject to the same risks as. Your regular bank, right? Correct. Now, I mean, anytime you bring a physical card to all of this, that's when you're still susceptible to, you know, physical card stealing, you know, scraping, card skimming, you know, swiped your card, I stole your stuff, you know, kind of stuff. So the advertisement here is for doing all your transactions electronically. Or you as a person having more control over your transaction at the time. You know, if you go online, you know, think of you have to enter in your 16 digit card number, your name, your, you know, the the CVV code on the back, the expiration date and all that other information. It takes an additional few minutes for you to complete your transaction because it is naturally more secure. You are interacting with a system with an automated system that's going to have its own checks and balances. And, you know, if there is a fraudulent charge, it's really easy to identify where it came from. You know, of course, you can also do telephone payments the same way you enter the numbers for your card exactly. and all the information into the telephone keypad. That's the same system. 
same same basic system. It still requires you to manually enter in for information. All right. Well, that's good to know. But physical retailers, not looking good. But of course, there's always the down and dirty method where they take your card, like in a restaurant, and they go to the credit card terminal, and you have no idea if they're writing down your information or not. Yeah, it's another it's another physical risk when dealing with with the what the really real world, for lack of a better term. You know, you you get you know you give you're trusting that person to do their job to be appropriate, and it's not uncommon to hear about you know about you know wait staff and people doing that about skimming card numbers as they're going to gather information. I mean, it's just it's not uncommon. Okay, let's talk about Bitcoin for a minute. Okay. Okay. Now, there's a story out this week that one of the major figures in Bitcoin was indicted for some kind of money laundering scheme. Well, first of all, we have to we have to take a step back. The they're, what they're saying is the CEO and one of the founders of Bitcoin, who are currently sitting on the the, the board for Bitcoin, um, was accused of being a tribu- of, of being connected to a bunch of different things that happened with that happened with uh, Silk Road, and Silk Road was notorious for drug deals and and you know prostitution and all this, all these other things. And they're saying that Bitcoin was used to launder money for Silk Road. In my opinion, this is just another another attempt by the Fed to shut down a currency that they can't control. You think it's all about Bitcoin, not about this individual? Correct. For example, for example, Gene, if 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 it were identified that you, and not saying you as personally, if it were identified that you were participating in some sort of malicious activity, it would be you that I would be targeting for for information or to to out to to to, to give a bad mark to, but. And not it would it would be ludicrous for me to say okay Gene Steinberg was doing this malicious activity I blame the money that he used to do it he used he used this dollar to do this and we're going to call that money laundering that's that's exactly what they're doing in this case they've taken I mean they don't even mention the name the CEO's name more than once or for any for enough for people to actually identify with him they put in big bold letters Bitcoin you know CEO laundering money really. He screws up, so now the Bitcoin is bad. Come on, guys, you're reaching now. You're not. You're 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 not going to find a way to do anything. Okay, so this is a way to fight Bitcoin. That's just my opinion, you know. But it's 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 it's. Yeah, first, look at what Bitcoin is. It's an unregulated, you know, person to person currency that in the real world, in the in, in the real world, has has no, has no physical money printed to it and that's what makes it so valuable you know it's a, there's a finite amount of of bitcoins in the world and there is no physical coin there's nothing physical with it there there it's all electronic it's all in ones and zeros and there's no way for anyone to say this is my currency i'm going to tax it at this rate that's the problem currently there's no way for anybody to actually tax it explain to our listeners more about bitcoin because the problem is here when you actually read the information it's written for computer hackers to understand, not for regular people. So well, since Bitcoin. I don't work as a computer hacker, maybe explain, and this segment's going to end in about a minute, we can continue in the next one. Mm-hmm. What is Bitcoin specifically? Just an all-digital currency? 
That's exactly what it is. Bitcoin is an all digital currency that exists only online, only in ones and zeros. There are some offshoots where you can buy physical Bitcoin right now. Um, you can order them, but it is it would be it's basically digital cash. I can hand you a dollar and it doesn't have to be tracked or identified anywhere. We can deal in cash online, you know, however we want to, doing whatever we want to, um, and then go to one of these exchanges and cash it out. Like the current value of one single Bitcoin is currently valued at 800 to 900 US dollars. Okay. Now, one of the things about Bitcoin, we'll get into more details in our next segment. One of the things is that the value, the worth compared to a dollar, fluctuates quite a bit we're not going to fluctuate minute to minute pardon it fluctuates minute to minute actually charles tendell doesn't fluctuate minute to minute he does it second by second (laughs) i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live a little right a little left but always independent minded the genesis communications network gcn Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866 91 Steel. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866 91 Steel. That's 866 917 8335. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. 
With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. Many Americans suffer from digestive problems, often totally unaware they're not absorbing essential nutrients from foods and supplements. Dr. Peter Glidden is aware of the importance of healing a damaged digestive system. Now, the product that I'm going to talk about today, Mackey Plus, and it is a combination of a superfruit, the Mackey berry, and aloe vera juice. Now, aloe vera is a very interesting nutritional supplement to talk about because aloe vera, you know, it's the stuff that you put on your skin if you get a burn. And man, it really knocks down the pain, the inflammation of the burn and facilitates healing. Well, guess what? It does the same thing internally that it does externally to burns. To soothe and heal your digestive system, order Mackey Plus today by calling 855-347-3696. That's 855-347-3696 or on the web at fireyourmdnow.com. That's fireyourmdnow.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So minute by minute, Charles Tendell, the value of Bitcoin fluctuates. Now, the question I have about this is how do you use it then for product or service if it's varying all over the place well the thing about it is is one bitcoin like i said it like currently the current price of a bitcoin is 832 dollars and three cents the re and now it's four cents the reason that it, it fluctuates like that is because of the number of bitcoins out on the market the amount of press that bitcoin is getting think of bitcoin currency as a mini as a micro stock market of sorts you know it while like somebody comes to you they pay you fifty dollars in bitcoin right now when they pay you $50 in Bitcoin right now, in five minutes, it might be $49. It might be $45. It might also be $100. So that's the ride and the excitement behind Bitcoin right now is the fluctuation is it is literally like playing the mini stock market at any like, for example, late last year or mid last year, a young man realized that he inadvertently threw away 7000 Bitcoin. Because at the beginning, Bitcoin was really cheap, and he mined a bunch of them, and he did a lot of things to get Bitcoin, and he was just playing, and so on and so forth, and they didn't really matter to him. He threw away, he inadvertently threw away the hard drive that his Bitcoin wallet was electronically stored on. And then there was an announcement that Bitcoin broke the $1,000 US per Bitcoin. So the fun fluctuation is, the, is part of the excitement and part of the appeal of Bitcoin. You know, it might be it might be worth, you know, X today, but tomorrow it might be worth three times that. Yes, but if I want to use it for products and services, wouldn't I want some consistency, especially if this use of currency spreads? Well, it doesn't it doesn't fluctuate more than about a dollar you know, for more than a couple of dollars off of your purchase price. And yes, you might, as a retailer, you might be like, well, I, I'm selling this product for $5. 
I got $5 on this Bitcoin today. You know, I can, you can cash out right then at the $5 mark. That's what it's worth. Or you can let it sit in your Bitcoin wallet and cash out in two days, either at $10 or $4. You know, so, so while it does fluctuate, when you cash out on the cat on the cash out amount, you're solid. That's exactly what it's going to be. If you get a transaction that's five dollars right then and there, you're going to get five dollars from it, minus any exchange fees and all that other stuff. The question is here: Should I start considering using Bitcoin or wait till it stabilizes a bit better? Well, it's again, you know, six in one hand, half dozen in the other. If you wait too long, the cost of Bitcoin will be too high for you to enter in, and and you'll it'll take you longer to accumulate. Um, if you get in right now, you get you get the luxury of collecting Bitcoin very quickly because it's still a buzz. It's still people are still interested in it, so on and so forth. And the market value is still pretty high. So it's kind of up to you as a consumer or as an individual. If you get in on Bitcoin, I mean, do something simple. I mean, you said you were doing Bitcoin donation links now. So do something simple like that. Okay? You encourage your viewers to to donate Bitcoin and, and just sit on it and watch because it's an interesting Bitcoin experiment. And Bitcoin is about to get, even in spite of this recent air quote money laundering thing going on, um, they're going to, Bitcoin is about to get a serious boost because major brick and mortar stores are going to start adopting Bitcoin. Small mom and pop retailers have already done it, but there's rumor that some of these larger retailers are going to opt to try Bitcoin because as a secure method of payment in light of things like the card breach. Hmm. So maybe five years from now, we're going to see millions and millions of people using Bitcoin or will it be faster? I think it'll be faster than that. I think before the end of 2014, you'll see a large number of retailers using Bitcoin. Uh, maybe not a large number. You'll see you'll see you'll see a number of large retailers using you know alternate currencies like Bitcoin. You'll start to see places like Amazon start to accept them. You know, Tiger Direct already accepts them online. You know, a couple of other you know hardware and geek centric places already accept them. The more adopters, the more large name adopters, and the more news, the faster it's going to go. So maybe what I want here is to ultimately say, okay, pay me in Bitcoin. Ultimately, yes, because you don't have to worry about, one, there's no way anybody's going to steal your Bitcoin wallet. Once you get in there and you see how, how, how many hoops you have to jump through to get it set up, you'll realize that it'll be ridiculously difficult for anybody to actually try and steal your Bitcoin. Two, the fluctuation, you know, again, you can make very rapid money on a small investment if you buy you know if you buy a, a half a bitcoin or you start inve- you start getting payments in bitcoin that very small amount of bitcoin can add up very quickly and before you know it you get a thousand dollars sitting in a, in a in a bitcoin wallet that you didn't even touch you aren't really doing anything with you know so that's a fast investment method another good thing forget it for for bitcoin and what we what we should start doing and what people should start seeing is it's not tied to any one government it's not tied to any one location. It's not like, it's not like, you know, it's, I've got my US dollar here. It's worth XYZ there. It's basically a universal currency. You know, one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin everywhere in the world. That's totally exciting. Yeah. It is, is amazing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm so glad to actually see this happening. I mean, like in the time we've been talking, uh, what did I say that the Bitcoin value was a minute ago? 830 something. You were saying 800 to $900. So yeah. what is it now? And remember, this show is being done several days before you listeners hear it. 
right now it is $836.40 and now $840.40. <laughs> it fluctuates slightly every minute of every day based on um, news and press. And I mean, it, it, what is it? The uh, what is what is Craig like to throw at me? The Heisenberg uncertainty theory. Anything that you observe, you also change. And I'm watching it. I'm observing it and it's changing and it's amazing. Sounds like quantum mechanics. Uh, Bitcoin quantum mechanics that they could be they could be d- related. I don't know. Hmm. Well, I'm going to have to think about this real seriously. I mean, I do recommend if you're. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say switch everything over to Bitcoin right now because there are certain places that don't accept Bitcoin. When you can buy food or when you can buy Taco Bell, you know, in Bitcoin, then you know, then you know you arrive. But honestly, it's it, it is a. It is a, I would recommend doing as you're doing, keeping the Bitcoin donation thing and just letting that pile up, you know, is it's not going to be something you're going to use tomorrow, but it will be something that you will be able to use in the future. And having it would be very beneficial. So ultimately it's going to be something that'll be important. Exactly. Unless of course the fed has its way and completely destroys it. Do you think that can happen? Uh, I think it's been too far adopted by now. I think there's too much of a community and a drive behind it now that there's nothing they can do about it. I mean, and that's their issue. You know, it's going to become, it's going to come down to, do we completely invalidate all Bitcoin? Thusly, you cost millions of people millions of dollars and you have a revolt on your hand? <laughs> or do you continue to battle it and ch- try and chip away at the stability that it's becoming? I would say that the death of a thousand cuts is what they'll try. That's what they're going to try. And that's what they're doing right now. I mean, think about it. Every little thing that you hear about with Bitcoin, Bitcoin is rarely associated in a positive light. Anytime a, ma- a major media outlet in the United States gets a hold of anything Bitcoin, the spin on it is always money laundering, you know, illegal activity, you know, malicious intent. It's, it's always done that way. Nobody focuses on the fact that this is an alternate currency that can unify the planet essentially that this is, this is, this is a secure method of sending payments. And if we get major retailers that start adopting this and people start having their Bitcoin wallets on their mobile devices, right on their mobile devices, there's your secure method of payment that that's very difficult to hack. I have to physically steal your mobile device now to get your your Bitcoin wallet. And then on top of that, I have to then hack your Bitcoin wallet on your phone. So I steal your phone, figure out its passcode or your fingerprint. Then if somebody develops a Bitcoin wallet that still uses, say, the fingerprint reader in the 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 iPhone 5S, now you've got, you know, a fingerprint reader that's generating Bitcoin to pay for a physical real world purchase. Good luck hacking that. Now, there's a question here, which is, is there a finite total amount of what bitcoins are worth? Or is it a situation where the governing authority, if there is one, can just issue more bitcoins as we need more of them? No, uh, Bitcoin originally was developed to be a, there's a set there. Nobody really knows how many there are, but there's a set number of Bitcoin in the, in the world. Um, those Bitcoins get exchanged from one place to another and they move around, but they're, 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 as far as I know, there isn't like a Bitcoin electronic printing press anywhere. Okay. So if there are $50 billion worth of Bitcoins, it's not going to finance a country yet. But maybe it will if it expands that way. Charles Tendell is a certified ethical hacker. And 
I hope he will be gracious enough to stay for one or two more segments because we're just getting warmed up. And this discussion about Bitcoin is fascinating, and we're going to have to see whether it takes over the world. <laughs> Coming up a little bit later on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll hear from John Martellero, who hangs his hat at the Mac Observer and also writes for the street. <laughs> I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the People grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products, most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Charles Tendell does two things that we're interested in. One, is a certified ethical hacker. And secondly, but certainly not least, he is also co-host of Craig Crossman's Computer America radio show. All right. We've been talking about Bitcoin. And you mentioned to me that there is actually a finite number or amount of available Bitcoins unknown. So if we need more money than those Bitcoins provide, what happens then? Well, um, I guess we have to burn that bridge when we come to it or you know, cross the bridge when we come to it. I would assume that when we hit the, the Bitcoin cap, when we hit the Bitcoin cap, that there's either going to be one of two things. There's going to be a generation. There's going to be a new, new influx of Bitcoin brought into the market, however that happens from the Bitcoin you know, masters out there. 
or we're going to see that no one person will ever have all of the bitcoins. They will always be out there. There will there will always be some floating. It's like it's like gold in the United States. It's here somewhere. You just got to know where to look. All right. So therefore, the value of each bitcoin goes up with demand. Yep. Am I making sense? Yeah. I mean, that's completely accurate. I mean, the the more demand there is for the Bitcoin, the higher the value is. The more we talk about it, the higher the value is. And, you know, when we get to the point where we need more Bitcoin, we'll figure that one out. I guess at this point, it's one of those things where a lot of things are still being tested, or is it final now? Bitcoin's been around for about, for about I want to say, two years, you know, in one version or iteration or spinoff. Um, as it's been for a while. I don't think there is much more refining left with Bitcoin. I think it's, I think it's matured as far as it's going to go. I think it's, I think there's still some, I think the part that needs to catch up now is how we use Bitcoin. I don't think it's, I think the Bitcoin implementation, it was simple. It's out there. It's the way that it is. Um, and how we begin to use it is what we need to develop next. So what are you seeing now in terms of the use? Is it basically starting out with the people seriously interested in computers and digital systems, the power users are taking it first, and then somehow it spreads to the masses? Well, there there are two people that are using Bitcoin now. Yes, the 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 power users, you know, the the hardcore people who are like, ooh, cutting edge stuff. Let's see what's going on here. Um, the hackers, the 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 people who are just interested or just hardcore on technology. They are they are the ones who are involved in it right now. But you've also got the ones the that are they want to be cutting edge. You got the the hipster, you know, coffee, you know, muffin shop down the street who's using Bitcoin. You've got this high speed, you know, this 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 i want to get the extra press because it's cool pizza delivery place that's you know you accepting bitcoin you know you've got you've got the people who who are tech savvy but they want to be able they want to get the extra attention because they use bitcoin so it's a a matter of what prestige status well right now it's it's i i'm for example i'm a glass explorer I paid a ridiculous amount of money to to get a beta test of a, a a prototype basically. You know, I am one of a few people who are doing it and you know it's because I was interested in it and because I think it's cool technology and because I think it is a a leaning forward future item and it's the same with Bitcoin. You know, I accept Bitcoin in payment because it is one it's it's if you have the capability to do it and you're you know my clientele typically do, you know, it's an easy payment system that we can use. It's also, you know, I get to be, I get the additional attention that says, you know, this professional hacker over here accepts Bitcoin payment. But when the local McDonald's takes it, it's going to be a big thing. But that's another question here, too, about Bitcoin. Is this the technique that's going to work or will someone come up with something different? Well, there have been a couple of different spinoffs. There's, there's Bitcoin variants, there's Litecoin and all these other ones. But Bitcoin has been the base for the longest period of time. Um, I think... I think if Bitcoin, once it gets more established in the physical world, I think it will, once we see the thing, once we see like McDonald's saying we accept Bitcoin here, you know, I think, I think it'll be, it'll be, you know, it'll be, it'll be an unstoppable force. Well, we're going to have to see whether I could buy my Big Mac. Not that I (laughs) eat Big Macs, but if I were to buy Big Macs, whether I will be ready to do it in Bitcoin. What do I do then? Do I just show them my iPhone and they flash something and they get paid? 
that's one way to do it. They, your phone can dinner, can generate a QR code to do it. Um, and you can just have them scan that you can actually physically enter in their Bitcoin address. But typically when they do the Bitcoin thing, you scan the QR code with your mobile device. It takes it and you hit send on your mobile device and they'll receive it seconds later. You know what? I like the idea. Yeah. And we'll secure have your payment what... mechanism that that's fast and secure. And, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the days when I can buy my chicken sandwich or my, you know, my, my Taco Bell with, Bitcoin. You know, we're giving all these companies free publicity. Taco Bell, McDonald's, <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken. I didn't mention that. Ooh. You like mm. it? I like Kentucky Grilled Chicken. I'm yeah. Not... <sighs> yeah. I mean, I like their original recipe fried, but they're, the grilled and the original are still really good together. It sounds interesting to me. <laughs> you know, I kind of like the idea. Let's talk in the waning moments that we have you here about security in general. And of course mm -hmm. we dealt with credit card issues, but Mac and PC security, mm -hmm. are they pretty much the same now or is the Mac so way ahead? Um, well, let's break down the Mac first and, and Mac is naturally, this is why Mac is naturally uh, more secure than a windows machine. Um, Mac is a true multi-user operating system, meaning to install anything, to do anything, it requires you to enter in your additional password and, and give authorization and do all the other high-speed stuff. And there are built-in security mechanisms that prevent certain things from happening. You know, it's, it's, it's naturally out of the box more secure based on the Unix kernel that it sits on or the Unix, the BSD base that it sits on. Windows itself was designed to be fast. It was not fast, was designed to be deployed fast and adopted widely. And that's exactly what happened. And it doesn't have the same checks and balances as your Mac or your Linux uh, system would be because, you know, honestly, I can I can send an application that'll do everything I want it to do on a Windows machine and the user would not be would not have any idea on Mac. You have to actually, uh, you know, unpack a DMG or install a PKG file and do all these other high speed things to actually interact and get this information onto your machine. And now there are some vulnerabilities that that are cross-platform. You know, in in the past, it's been you know Java issues. It's been you know a couple other things out there. But Mac was very swift at saying we will not support this naturally out of the box. Um, okay, that's a point to mention here about Java. Right now, when you set up a new Mac, Java is not installed. Correct. If you run a Java app, it asks to download it. But that's separate from the Java plugin. In the browser. So, for example, there are chat rooms that use Java and other services, but you'd have to manually install Java to get those services. Mm -hmm. The plugin are the ones that will actually interact, allow you to interact with your machine, while on other websites you're using JavaScript that only interacts with your browser. All right. So the reason Apple banned it and stopped supporting Java altogether is because Java, uh, I think it's Oracle who owns them, I think, um, had a lot of problems for a good number of months. They had a vulnerability after vulnerability after vulnerability that allowed remote compromise of just about any system that it was placed on. And it, it, it worked very well. Um, we tested some here in the lab and we even, we even tested some out in the wild on some of our, uh, some of our clients who are in what we call our, our bounty test program. Um, 
we send them payloads and they're willing to test it on their on one of their standard machines or one of their one-off machines and you know they're they're getting hacked and they get the they get the the luxury of knowing that if we do if we are actually successful with hacking you we're going to show you how to fix that too so you get you know the security patch before the security patch goes to the masses and you know windows didn't do that windows was like well look people use java we use java we don't care we don't have a we don't have a windows update it's not our fault that java is flawed we're just going to continue to run it um, by the way we have to run for a brief second here and then we'll get back with more from charles tendell who is a certified ethical hacker and i'm gene steinberg i'm certifiable because this is the tech night out live <laughs> Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Do you know how much the dollar has lost in its value against other currencies in the last 90 days? Ever think about how inflation will change your life, your savings, your retirement plans? Remember inflation in Zimbabwe, Argentina, the Weimar Republic? Put another way, who cares if your investments go up 10%, but you lose 40% of your purchasing power? Gold is the only monetary asset as no one else's liability. Gold still buys the same amount of stuff it always did. Gold does not require trust in a third party. You can possess it in your hand. You can take it with you. Gold is real money. Gold is honest money. My name is Daniel Larson from Midas Resources. To find out how you can protect your savings and roll over your IRA funds into precious metals accounts, please call me at 800-686-2237, extension 134. That's 800-686-2237, extension 134. 800-686-2237, extension 134. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. While my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Question. 
Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM1 from Terraganics. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganix.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM1 from Terraganix. Life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Okay, Charles Tendell. Joining us, I'm Gene Steinberg, you're in the Tech Night Out Live. So we're talking about Mac security, and the key here is the infections have been so far Java-related. Don't run Java, don't worry about it. Or mostly don't worry about it. Windows doesn't have that restriction. What about Windows 8, 8.1? Even still, the security mechanisms... Now, Windows has slowly but surely upped its security posture. You know, it's it's become built in with its own antivirus, its own malware detection, its own safeguards. But because it is such a mass-produced cookie-cutter type of solution, there are there are new vulnerabilities and new exploits and new viruses and new new things written for Windows. Um, you know, on a on a second by second basis. Um, <laughs> Windows eight and eight point one slightly more secure than seven. Not not enough to stop anything. Um, I mean, they're, they're still using the same Windows firewall that's flawed. They're still using the same update mechanism that's flawed. They're still using, you know, vulnerable portions in Internet Explorer. At this point, if I were at the helm of Microsoft, I would scrap Windows altogether, put a Linux kernel on that bad boy and start again, because that's the only way I'm going to eliminate all this. But then we come back to it is, you know, all financially motivated. You know, without Windows, the antivirus companies don't have anything to sell. You know, without anything to sell, Microsoft can't upsell, you know, its own stuff. You know, so it's a vicious cycle that the two of them go through. And, you know, it's 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 all financially motivated. Viruses are a billion dollar business. So can we even charge a antivirus company from quietly supporting the virus authors? Well, another thing that you have to understand is many of these these large virus companies, they employ the same people that would create these viruses. They do that so that they have the edge and they can actually catch the, get the virus signatures or indicators of compromise early. If I design this virus, I know how to, to combat it. You know, if you've got people who think like the virus writers, you can actually get ahead of them and, and write the signatures ahead of time. So it's good to have people there making the money or, or developing the need for these virus, for the, for the antivirus. But there'd be a huge fight. I mean, look at, look at smoking. You know, I smoked for a number of years. My parents still smoke. We all knew it was bad for us. And it wasn't until, you know, there was this huge push to get people to quit smoking that people quit smoking. Even then, Big Tobacco fought really hard 
to not let that happen. So when we get into the point of viruses and say, look, these virus companies, they're generating viruses. We want to get all these viruses to go away. And a large, co- a large company like uh, Microsoft switches its platform to prevent the spread of the majority of these viruses, there's going to be a lot of backlash. I mean, look at Bitcoin. Something new, something different, something easy, something something that'll that'll change the world. And it's an evil thing because of the people whose money, whose pockets it will lean out. With Windows, though, Microsoft isn't doing quite as well. Consumers are looking at Windows 8, 8.1 saying, ah, I don't want that. Well, it's it's kind of horrible. I don't know if you've touched it or not. but I have touched it very briefly. I have spent a lot of time trying to get into it, and I cannot get into it. Yeah. I mean, from a security perspective, the first thing that irritated me was it wants me to connect my computer to my Microsoft account, and I hate that. Like, I don't want you tied together. Like, I, I don't even use an account for anything, and I don't want to have them connected together. Um, but then just the interface is horrible. I mean, most people are like, oh, tablets are great. I'm used to scrolling on a tablet. I don't want to touch my screen. And you know what? It really, frankly, irritates me to have fingerprints on my monitor. <laughs> you know, So they took a leap in the wrong direction, but they did the same thing with Vista, if you remember correctly. they When Vista came out, it was so bad that people who had the money jumped ship to you know Mac, people who didn't jump ship to an alternate OS like Linux. And the people who stayed with Windows were they they and toughed it out, they get the beautiful revamp that is Windows 7. And they did really good with Windows 7. I'm hoping that that's the same type of thing that they're doing with Windows 8 and 8.1, that they're they're just screwing it up on purpose. And then Windows 9 or whatever they're gonna call it comes out and it is this gem of an operating system. It may be too late though. Well, there might be too many people that have lost their faith and confidence in Microsoft themselves by that point. But the enterprise will never stop using Microsoft. It's easier to develop for Microsoft. Most of their applications run on Microsoft. The you know Word, PowerPoint, Excel all run on Microsoft. But with everybody's push to the cloud, that might be you know self-stopping itself. We may no longer need the installed applications on the computer, so you know it might be a moot point. But, you know, it's going to be hard to get major organizations that deal in sensitive data to be comfortable with having their information, say, in the cloud. So, you know, Microsoft's got a firm grasp on the enterprise market, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And Microsoft also powers the point of sale terminals and Target. Most of them. <laughs> so there you go. In fact, Microsoft's biggest problem is not just selling new user licenses. But getting people off Windows XP, they say a third of the Windows users still have XP, but that's only the ones that go online. And there are a lot of local systems that are attached to local networks. Like the point-of-sale systems. That's the catch. I mean, and people thought Windows 8 and Windows Vista and all those other ones were so bad that they stayed with an end-of-life operating system. And there are still many applications that are only written now for Windows XP because they can't develop beyond, you know, beyond that point. You know, I get clients all the time that are saying, I have this computer that was running this software. They've since gone out of business. I still need this software. It only runs on my Windows XP. Can you fix that? No, sorry. (laughs) Well, Microsoft is trying. They're trying. They're trying. I mean, for being one of two of the largest computer, you know, operating systems in the world, you know, they're, they're a little late to the party, but, you know, hopefully they'll get there. Microsoft is selling more Surface tablets, but they run Windows. We have Windows Phone, and I guess sales are up there, but not Nokia, where sales are down, and Microsoft bought them for fire sale prices. Well, what I'm thinking of they're doing with Nokia is they're they're developing. 
they're taking the remaining development budget that Nokia had, and they're going to burn through it to come out with something interesting. You know, the the Surface was a good thing, but the, the second iteration of the Surface was pretty good. So I'm thinking that they're going to do something in between with Nokia. And if you notice, there's about to be, in my opinion, there's about to be a large mobile market battle with Google buying Motorola and with, you know, Microsoft buying Nokia. Apple hasn't made a play for anybody there yet because they've got the iPhone. So you've got three large, you've got three very large organizations all jockeying for a part of the mobile market. So that's where we're going. Now, this segment was recorded before Google decided to unload Motorola Mobility to Lenovo. So the equation is going to be changed a little bit. I don't know. I prefer my iPhone. I had spent a number of months with a Samsung Galaxy S3 and then the S4. And Samsung loaded that thing up with so much useless junk that became downright annoying and some of the standard google apps such as their email app were fatally flawed in ways where i pointed it out to them and they didn't bother to fix it so there you go charles tendell tell our listeners where they can find more of the things that you do well, uh, if you want to get more on me, go to charlestendell.com. You can learn everything you want about and want to know about me. If you want to hear more of my wonderful voice, join us Monday through Friday on the Computer America radio show. Uh, you can visit computeramerica.com. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's at Charles Tendell. Um, I'm out there on just about every business social media network out there. So just punch the name Charles Tendell into your favorite search engine, and you're guaranteed to find me. And that's a digital punch, not a physical one. <laughs> Correct. Charles Tendell, <laughs> thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy bodies. 
byproducts from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, taxhelponline.com. That's taxhelponline.com. It's no secret that silver is one of the oldest known natural antibiotics, but the mainstream media will never tell we the people this information. Why? Many drug companies and politicians have dangerous alliances that manipulate the way we live by prescribing drugs that only manage disease, keeping us dependent on big pharma. And with Obamacare at our doorstep, we are now forced into a system that many of us do not want any part of. And no man or government has the right to dictate how we as free people choose to take care of our health. The Patriots at UtopiaSilver.com hold this truth dear. Colloidal and ionic silver supplements from utopiasilver.com open the door to a whole new world of natural healing for the body and the mind. Visit utopiasilver.com and discover the safe and effective health benefits of colloidal and ionic silver. Call 888-213-4338. 888-213-4338 and talk to the patriots at utopiasilver.com, a leading source of natural healing using colloidal silver, colloidal gold, minerals, vitamins and herbs. utopiasilver.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. We're joined by John Martellero of the Mac Observer. And as usual, he has lots of really good stuff to talk about, including an article he wrote, which appeared this week for The Street. This guy's getting very prestigious in this. Some fascinating stuff he's got there. But let's talk about something that just happened this week. And I go back to the fact that just recently they announced, for example, that Microsoft is buying Nokia's handset division for what we call a fire sale price. And then we go back a couple of years to Google. Now, Google has never manufactured anything, really. You know, it's a search engine. They have software, that kind of thing. It's Microsoft before Microsoft started building keyboards, mice, and Xboxes. And so they buy Motorola Mobility ostensibly, John, to get the patents, rather than so much to sell handsets, right? Ostensibly, but there was always that element of you know, being vertical and being able to better compete with Apple vertically, having the hardware maker, right? Sure. 
But now we have a situation where for a fraction of what they paid, they're selling Motorola Mobility, which is doing real badly in the handset market, to Lenovo, which doesn't really have that much experience building handsets. They build great computers, really good computers. They took over the PC division from IBM. And these are some of the top-rated products in the PC industry. So they buy a mobile handset company. And where do you take that? Well, one of the analogies I use is the is the corruption of power. Uh, when somebody gets really, really rich right away through Hollywood or, or business, there is that first experience. Phase one, you can buy anything. That's fine. And then you go to the next phase. It's sort of addictive. And you say, well, no, I can experience anything. I can buy uh, a flight into suborbit, you know, for 250000 or whatever it costs. And then after you're done with experiencing anything, which is still fun, it's your bucket list, then you feel like you can do anything. And then that's where you get into trouble. Well, I think companies have that, that same sort of thing uh, going with them. They, they feel like they have a problem and they can buy their way out of the problem. And we've always talked about this in the context of Apple. Apple believes, thanks to Steve Jobs, in doing something, in creating something, having Jonathan and I build something that's, that's drool-worthy. You know, you work hard and you make something that people want. But sometimes when you're a company and you have a problem, you feel like you can solve that problem by acquiring the expertise of others instead of doing it yourself. And I think that's what we're seeing with Microsoft and Nokia and, and Google and Motorola. Um, and, and then you find out there's a culture clash. You find out that um, the company didn't really solve your problem because of practices and the culture of the company. And you have a hard time getting them to solve your problem instead of becoming your problem. And then the day comes when, well, you say we're better parted. The problem with that is you end up taking a loss and you're not really being a good steward of the money. TMO wrote about this the other day and did the numbers. And it looks like after all the dust settles, Google's going to be out about seven or eight billion dollars. And this includes the losses that Motorola incurred per quarter. So, you know, I could have used that seven billion dollars. I think I could have used it more effectively than they did. If they wanted to send it my way, that would have been fine. <laughs> I think we can all say that. They are wasting all this money for this. But at the same time, Google and Samsung signed a cross-patent licensing agreement. And this is one issue I've raised before about Samsung. Samsung has been showing its independence of Google by developing more and more of their own home-built software that they stuff into their smartphones, especially the Galaxy S4, where half the content of the 16-gigabyte version is mostly junkware. So they barely even mentioned Android at the rollout to that product. And you think here, what Google has done is basically with this cross-patent licensing deal, probably set up Samsung as being once and for all what will probably be one of the only manufacturers left for Android. Already they've got like half the handsets are Samsung. And we have these other tiny companies that are filling out the rear, like HTC and LG, which aren't doing well, plus some companies that operate only in Asia. So is this set up kind of like the old 
Wintel alliance with Intel and Microsoft, where Google makes the software, Samsung makes all or most of the Android hardware, and together they fight Apple. Yeah, there's, there's that element of vertical integration. You know, I went to WWDC, Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference, for about 18 years in a row, and it always amazed me how Apple surged forward. Every WWDC keynote, State of the Union developer sessions were jaw-dropping in the sense that you could see Apple moving relentlessly forward. They pared away the past. There was the big fuss about OpenDoc when Apple killed that. And it was the big fuss about when Apple declined to go to 64-bit carbon and, you know, turned over to, you know, said, okay, Coco is going to be your only 64-bit. And there was angst and sturm and drang and loud noises. <laughs> but every year you'd see Apple was focusing on the compilers and focusing on, on threads and, and thread management and 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 working and working on using the graphics processors and paring away the past and relentlessly dragging and pushing the developers forward and it paid off down the line when it came time to develop iOS and it, it amazes me i look around and i see what those other companies i go you know what are they thinking what are they doing why aren't they investing if you came up to one of these CEOs and said, you know, I need a billion dollars. And they'd say, what for? And they'd say, well, we need to develop our own homegrown operating system so we can control our hardware and our software. And they'd say, well, I don't have a billion dollars to give you. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. But they don't want to do it. And wasn't Samsung working on their own homegrown thing called Tizen or something like that? Yeah, with Intel, as a matter of fact. (laughs) Yeah, they were trying. They were trying, but they weren't doing a very good job of it. It takes a massive amount of culture and technical expertise and teamwork and leadership to build your own homegrown smartphone operating system. Really, very few people have done it well. I grant that probably Microsoft has done decently with Windows Phone. I grant that Android is pretty decent, certainly a share of the market's pretty decent. So obviously a fair number of people are using it and are perhaps satisfied with it for the most part. And then of course is Apple. Blackberry, well, <laughs> Blackberry well, they, is where the where the disconnect support. where the disconnect comes is agenda. You can build a beautiful operating system based on Unix, like Linux, but what happens is is that when you're not in control of it, you find that your corporate agenda is not instantiated in the code, and it's really hard to go into code and instantiate agenda. So you layer it up and you screw it up and you load stuff on top and you play tricks and you do and what you what you do is you fracture the operating system at least you know in insofar as it, Apple's agenda is good and we trust Apple the thing that they do is they instill their philosophy and their agenda in their operating system in a way that you know we think pleases us and that's also very hard to do for other companies huh. so. At the end of the day here, this is more and more becoming an iOS versus Android race. And I guess Microsoft hopes that by having control of Nokia, they can advance the Windows Phone platform. Of course, any remaining companies who are building Windows Phone will, upon seeing that, decide why should we get involved in this. Microsoft bought the main Windows Phone handset maker. So we're just going to be 
on the short end of the stick. Why should we do that? Why should we have John Martellaro on the show? Because he knows what he's talking about. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer and The Street, joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100-foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Big business has discovered the preparedness market, and that makes it difficult to know where to go and who to trust. MyPatriotSupply.com is owned and operated by patriots just like you. Has the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more. MyPatriotSupply.com has old-fashioned values and the absolute best customer service in the industry. Look for the deal of the day. Unique, affordable survival supplies that fit anyone's budget. Get same-day shipping on all orders and free shipping on orders over $49. Call 866-229-0927, 866-229-0927, or visit MyPatriotSupply.com for emergency preparedness, self-reliance, and food independence. Shop with a name you know and a name you can trust. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. Hi, my name is DeRay. Suffering from migraines, having Botox injections in my head and neck to alleviate pain, costing $1,500 out of my pocket. I discovered Dr. Ortman and Gentle Touch Chiropractic Adjustment called Nuka. I'm migraine-free since my first adjustment. Thanks for giving me my life back, Dr. Ortman. I wish they prescribed you instead of Botox. Thanks, DeRay. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the solution. 
We design a nutritional supplement program the body can handle and actually absorb, providing nutrients targeting the problem area. Between Nuka and Nutrition, we will have you on the road to a faster and more permanent recovery. Look us up on the web at drwartman.com or call 952-303-9124. Let us help you feel better faster. Wellspring Spinal Care at 952-303-9124. Again, that's 952-303-9124 or on the web at drortman.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer and also The Street joining us on the Tech Night Isle Live. So tell us, what do you think about that situation? Well, what I think is that Microsoft just kind of dug itself into a hole with their operating systems. I wrote the other day that as the PC sales drop off drastically, as Gartner reported recently and IDC as well, there's going to be a lot of wind taken out of the sales of technical development. There won't be as much investment money available to to build really cool PCs because everybody knows we're in the post-PC era. So why spend a lot of money building really cool PCs where the action is tablets? And we know we're getting canonization and the tablet market has taken off and customers, thanks to Apple, have proven that they want these simple devices. Think of the contrast between that lack of technical development and what Apple is doing with the Mac Pro, the beautiful black cylinder. That's one part of the equation, which is amazing. And that's another discussion. But the other thing is what happens I'm hypothesizing when there isn't so much interest anymore in building cool PCs, desktop PCs and notebooks, mostly desktops though. And then Microsoft tries to, you know, extract the maximum amount of performance and power from these PCs with Windows, but they can't do it anymore because the hardware underneath them is not progressing. Tablet hardware will progress like Apple moving from 32 to 64 bit. ARM processor in the iPad Air. But will desktop hardware really move along very much to satisfy Microsoft's technical needs for doing stuff that's really cool? And that could affect them in business, could affect them in science and engineering, because, you know, CAD designers and engineers and physicists and researchers don't really think about using a notebook computer for heavy duty computing. They think about putting special cards in their devices, you know, networking, InfiniBand, uh, you know, parallel processing, computing, you know, extracting multi-thread operations and notebook computers don't, aren't, aren't highly cored. So what's going to happen there? And then Microsoft's going to wake up one day and they're going to say, well, the hardware is being pulled out, and out from under us in the desktop market. We're not getting anywhere against Android. Windows on the Surface tablet is bombing because <laughs> people don't want Windows on a tablet. Apple has defined what the classic quintessential tablet ought to be, and the Surface ain't it. And so one of these days, Microsoft's going to wake up and they're going to say, hmm, we need an operating system that's, that's going to help us with tablets. Well, they had that with Courier, but of course, Stephen Sanofsky killed it. So Microsoft's pretty well hosed. 
That's my opinion. And if you look at the last financial statement, they make a big deal over the fact that they sold, what, close to $900 million worth of Surface tablets. And then we look at how much Apple made from selling iPads, which is, what, 11, 12 times as much. So that's nothing to be proud over. There's, a, there's another lesson here, too, and that is Microsoft waited too long. One of the lessons of this industry is when somebody comes out with something that you know is really, really good, you better get on it, even if you have to copy them and go to court like Samsung did. But Microsoft waited and waited and waited. And then they came out with this kind of hand-wringing comment, well, we're only at the beginning of the tablet era. The tablet era will last for the next 50 years. We have plenty of time to catch up. Turns out that's not working very well, is it? Right, because there is no room for third best. Right now it's Apple and then Samsung, and maybe third best is Amazon. Yeah. So Microsoft is fourth best. There's no room for that. And this brings us into another subject here. What are we going to do now in the next 30 years of computing? We have, of course, the Mac, 30 years old, still going pretty good. Well, there's two pieces to this. One article I wrote was uh, the future of the, of the Mac remains bright in the near term. And that's what I was talking about a few minutes ago with the Mac Pro. Apple has shrewdly jumped in and started developing technology where people are going to need it. You know, we see these absolutes. You know, television is dead. Cable's dead. Uh, this and that is gone, and it's just a headline grabber. And then you get into it, and you realize that it was just a lure to get you to read the article. Nothing dies overnight. It takes a long time for things to to go away. And so, when when, when we look at we look at the Macintosh, there's a lot of life left in the Macintosh because people are going to need desktop computing, and for their tablet uses. You know, the common average person and even, you know, technical people will find the, the iPads and or if there's if the spirit moves them another tablet to be to be fine. But when they when they think about high performance computing on the desktop for research and, and databases and engineering and and intelligent agents for education and any kind of research that they want to do. They're going to go for the fastest and the best. And so they're going to go buy one of these Mac Pros. So that was pretty shrewd. In the near term, I think there's a, an, another 10, 15 years of, uh, of life in the Macintosh and the Macintosh technologies. Now, I'm sure you've heard this story. It's presented by Bloomberg. So it may or may not be true. And when it's talking about Microsoft, supposedly they're on the verge of naming Satya Nadella as CEO of the company, but also considering replacing Bill Gates as chairman. Now, I don't know anything about Nadella. Maybe you do. But the best thing to do would be to replace Bill Gates as chairman because he can't interfere with what the new executive is going to want to do. I think just having him there would put too much pressure. What do you think? Yes. Yes, I agree. I uh, In the last few weeks, I've read articles that talked about how having um, Bill Gates on the board of directors was an impediment to getting first-class talent into the company because they felt they would be meddling. And I, I think I read an article that uh, here's a, here's some real weasel wording. I think I read an article that speculated that the the Ford chairman, uh, how do you pronounce his name? 
Malawi? Uh, Malawi declined an offer. Right. And it was all kept under wraps because uh, he didn't want Bill Gates looking over his shoulder. So I think this this uh, was part of a two-step process of, yeah, Bill, we got to get you off the board. You know, you, you go do your work with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and um, have fun. And, you know, it, it, it's been great, but now we got to move on. So uh, this new CEO says, you know, he wants you to to move on. And um, and then on that basis, they were able to get this person's agreement. So, yeah, I think that's what happened. I don't know much about that person. I haven't heard his name before. Is, is he a is he a uh, Microsoft employee or is he something somebody from the outside? He's a Microsoft executive. I'll look it up as oh. we continue. OK, cool. Well, I like to see that too. I like to see moving Microsoft executives up. That's that's great. Well, I think promoting from within the company is also very good. I think it shows that a person who started or worked with the company for a number of years has a chance of being a chief executive. Now, briefly, currently, Nadella, who's a young whippersnapper, a young whippersnapper. He's younger than Bill Gates. He was born in 1967. He's the executive vice president of Microsoft's cloud and enterprise group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So maybe that indicates the emphasis of where they want to go, more with services and such. Where I think we're going to have a lot of fun in the next month or next six months is, is everybody has kind of come to a conclusion about what Microsoft needs to do. And I, I don't view this so much cynically as individual journalists uh, having opinions that are contrary to good corporate thinking. The way I'm seeing it lately is that we all read each other's work and and it's not so much bad because it's an echo chamber, but it's good because like science, we have a problem, we discuss it, the bad ideas are thrown out, the good ideas are adopted, everybody reads the good ideas, and pretty soon the, the analysis community comes to a pretty good idea about what needs to be done that's probably as good as any CEO has, because there's so many smart people working with each other and throwing away the bad and focusing on the good. So with that in mind, it's going to be interesting to see how this new Microsoft CEO makes some dramatic announcements and changes, if that's his mood, and see how that compares to what the community thought Microsoft needed to do. That's going to be very interesting. What's interesting is that we have a lot more to talk about with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer in the Street on the Tech Night Out Live. From the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this 
this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more, more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit Alkavision's brand new website at alkavision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit alkavision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new alkavision.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have John Bartolero of The Street and the Mac Observer in any order you wish. And we focus so far, of course, on Google unloading Motorola Mobility, a money-losing handset division about the next 30 years of computing, pointing out about the great things about the Mac Pro, about a person who may become the next CEO of Microsoft. Now, let's talk more about the Mac here, because this is fascinating. The fact that for 30 out of the last 31 quarters, the Mac's growth or lack of growth, whatever it is, has exceeded the average in PC land. But how long can this go? If the PC market overall continues contracting, at what point does Apple say, you know, is this worth it? Oh, sure. Because as I said in the previous segment, my guess is, is that companies that make PCs are going to slowly get into more and more trouble. They're not going to feel like spending a lot of investment money in building the latest and greatest and best state-of-the-art computers. They're going to be envious of other companies building smartphones and tablets. And so that industry is really going to go away. But there's going to be always a need for powerful desktop systems because, you know, there's only so much you can do with a tablet processor. I know Phil Schiller said that, you know, 64-bit uh, A7 is uh, works is desktop class architecture, but that's just sort of a marketing moniker. In, in effect, real power in processing is proportional to a uh, wattage. And so there's only so much work you can do, processing work per second with a battery-powered device. Yeah, the iPad Air is more powerful than the original Cray 1, but that's not a justification. 
how much faster is a Mac Pro, say, than an iPad Air? And would you as a scientist, researcher, engineer, businessman, database developer, think about, you know, putting a monster system of development on an, on an iPad Air? No, it's designed to be a fast, portable device you carry around your arm and it's battery powered. Apple builds products that people want. They make money on their products, unlike Microsoft Surface. Apple makes money on everything it sells. And, and that's the legacy from Steve Jobs. If a product doesn't sell, people don't like it. It's history. And so Apple's going to be making money on the Mac Pro and the new iMacs and, and next generation notebook computers people love. And the rest of the industry is going to go, oh, well, okay, if you want to keep selling you know, $4 million a year instead of $300 million a year, that's fine with us. Go ahead and do that, Apple. And Apple says, okay, we'll take the money. And there's 5 million people a quarter who realize that they need the power and the utility of a, of a notebook computer or a desktop. And Apple will keep taking the money and see how the technology evolves. And at some point in the future, maybe they'll then have to make that decision. But it's going to be a while, especially if the other companies give up on PCs because there's nothing in it. They're not making much money at the existing level. That could just leave more of the pie for Apple. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then you never know what the synergies are going to be. You never know how technology is going to evolve to you know, kind of do a course correction in the future. For example, in one of the articles I wrote recently, I talked about the disappearance of physical displays. I think that's one of the first things that's, that's going to happen in the next 10 to 15 years. Instead of having giant 100-pound plasma displays and these giant, you know, 32-inch Ultra HD displays connected to a Mac Pro, I think the future of computing is being able to see what we're trying to see, you know, without the mechanics of something physical in front of us. And that could mean some extension of Google Glass somebody may be able to figure out you know we've we've decoded the optic nerve i read about that a few months ago we now know how the camera of the eye digitizes images and we if that's the right word and sends the information along the optic nerve to the brain for interpretation visually we know how that happens so that if we needed to help somebody with you know their vision we could build a device that would send those same codes from a you know, eye camera to the brain, and the brain would see it because it thinks the codes are coming from the way the eye creates them. For example, if you could have a device on your forehead that would send visual data at high resolution and sort of through induction impose that information into the electronics of the or the, the, you know, the current of the optic nerve sending signals, you might be able to just directly input information into the brain. And we wouldn't need, we have these fantastic displays and floating in front of us and in space. We could go to a recliner, sit back, close our eyes, do a FaceTime call to mom. We could sit in the recliner instead of with an iPad in our lap with a nine inch or a 12 inch display. We could close our eyes and, and watch a movie piped in from Netflix at super definition, just floating in front of us in space. And I think that's going to be uh, something that will affect the development and architecture of computers. But where does Google Glass fit into that place, if anywhere? Well, I mean, I mean, just might be a, a sort of an interim technology. You know, at, at first, that's, that's the first step is, is having that 
uh, the image float in front of our eyes in a mechanical, rather crude way. But I think that'll develop to the point where the next generation technology won't even require us to wear any uh, something as obnoxious as Google Glass. And obnoxious, I'm not trying to be really negative or bang on Google. I'm just... Go ahead remin- and bang remin- on Google. I, I tell yeah. you something. I think Google Glass is ugly. I think it should all be in a contact lens. And I think well, that's that the ultimate answer. I think that'll come. Did you did you hear the story about the guy who was yanked out of a movie theater? Oh yeah, recently. Yeah, because there, apparently there was an MPAA rep. I've I've read stories about how high end movie theaters have an infrared laser that scans the audience and it looks for lenses that are characteristic of cameras because you know the big thing in in Asia and parts of the United States has been you know going into a movie theater with a video camera and and pirating the movie and. Those cameras have optical characteristics that can be picked up in reflections. And so I think what happened was is that this guy was in the theater with Google Glass and that infrared laser detected him and alerted a, an MPAA rep who just happened to be there. He called the FBI. <laughs> the guy was pulled out of the theater and interrogated. Now, that was foolish behavior. I mean, you might have surmised, you know, that if you knew about these infrared lasers, you'd say, well, I'll take my Google Glass off and put it in my pocket and enjoy the movie. So you have to be pretty astute about, you know, what's going on with technology. And then you have to worry a little bit about social consequences of the things that, that Google throws at us, like the woman who got arrested for, for driving a car with Google Glass in California. And apparently it's against the law to have a, vis- a video or a TV device that the driver can see while they're driving in California. So Google's got some stuff to work out. We'll get through it. That's the future, though. Okay, but your feeling is here is that something like a Google Glass, maybe not from Google, will actually work out. Years ago, my, my first experience with a Bluetooth headset, where a guy had this you know, battery-powered Bluetooth clipped in his ear, and he had his phone in his pocket. And I was in the Safeway parking lot, and I saw this guy muttering and talking and talking, and I was looking around like there was nobody next to him. And it was the first experience I ever had, it might have been about 10 or 15 years ago, where it was sort of like, you know, this, this first social experience in your life, you're shocked. You're trying to figure out what's going on. Who is he talking to? And I think we're going to, that's just the precursor of the situation where people are going to be able to see images floating in front of them and heaven help them if they're walking in front of a bus or something while they're watching a movie. Uh, and, and, and the social consequences of that for, for haves and have nots and, and the development of technology and interaction between people and sports and entertainment and all of these things are going to be moving forward very rapidly. And it's going to put a strain on our worldwide cultures, I think, because people, people will visit the United States or people from the United States will visit other countries. People from Europe will, you know, visit other countries and there'll be this thing where they're, they're doing things that are unimaginable. You know, they're, they're looking up information for Google. You ask them a question and immediately there's a voice interpretation and a question on Google. They've got an answer floating in front of their heads. We'll get you into know. some more answers in a moment on the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene and with John.
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Do you know how much the dollar has lost in its value against other currencies in the last 90 days? Ever think about how inflation will change your life, your savings, your retirement plans? Remember inflation in Zimbabwe, Argentina, the Weimar Republic? Put another way, who cares if your investments go up 10%, but you lose 40% of your purchasing power? Gold is the only monetary asset as no one else's liability. Gold still buys the same amount of stuff it always did. Gold does not require trust in a third party. You can possess it in your hand. You can take it with you. Gold is real money. Gold is honest money. My name is Daniel Larson from Midas Resources. To find out how you can protect your savings and roll over your IRA funds into precious metals accounts, please call me at 800-686-2237, extension 134. That's 800-686-2237, extension 134. 800-686-2237, extension 134. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Normal blood pressure, naturally. How would that make you feel? I'm Don from New Mexico. January of 2000, I had a heart attack. Then my real health began going downhill, and I had uh, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, poor vision, and I really wasn't sleeping well. I was a mess, pretty much. Don reports dramatic improvements with heart and body extract. I started taking uh, heart and body extract, and from within a few days, I started sleeping a lot better. My blood pressure uh, normalized, my blood sugar normalized, and uh, my sleep really did improve. Experience these benefits and more when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of Heart and Body Extract. Order at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. Folks, I did not expect this at all. By the 7th, 8th, and 9th day, I saw dramatic improvements from taking Heart and Body Extract. Details at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305 for 
Heart and Body Extract. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. With Gene Steinberg and John Martellero from the street and the Mac Observer where he hangs both hats. He's got a couple of hats there now. I'm primarily the senior editor for analysis and reviews at the Mac Observer. That's where I live. That's my life. I write there every day. I write for the street once a week. That's all I can handle right now. Okay. Well, maybe we'll have you do more stuff. <laughs> In fact, like, let's have you volunteer like, because, like a, you know, with all show. these gigs, you're probably making a lot of money. So we'll have you volunteer. On the Tech Night Out Live, we've been focusing, of course, on Apple and Google and Microsoft and anything else that we could possibly remember to talk about before the show ends. A lot of fascinating stuff. We're talking about the possible future of the Mac, about the fact that things are going to be fascinating for the next 30 years. But let's go back, before we talk about Apple and Apple's earnings, I just want to segue again into Microsoft, where you had a close encounter, I guess you and the missus had a close encounter with someone who was a Surface RT customer. Oh yeah, that was fun. I love uh, these kind of chance encounters in life where you know you have an opportunity as a writer to to tell a personal story that um, has a sort of a tale and a moral. Yeah, my wife and I were in uh, Staples and I was looking at the uh, small selection of Apple peripherals in the aisle, in the computer aisle, and there was a mother and a father in their what looked like mid forties. And a teenage daughter who was um, getting ready to go off to college. I know it's a funny kind of year, but she might be mid-semester or something like that. And uh, they were sort of in some sort of distress and chatting and talking about the Microsoft Surface. And, of course, as soon as I heard Microsoft Surface, I thought, well, how can I approach this uh, family, maybe there's something to learn. I don't want to be nosy or butt into their lives or, you know, just become a, uh, just because I'm a writer, you know, doesn't mean I know everything. I know almost everything. So I had to be very careful. And of course I was with my wife, which made me, you know, less threatening because she's pretty blonde. So we kind of, as a couple approached him and started talking and asking him questions and sort of went through some discovery and, uh, it turns out that the daughter had an old, aging, decrepit PC notebook running Windows. And she had some x86 apps that were important to her, not Microsoft Office, but some other x86 apps that, were, that she didn't identify, but were stated were important to her. Maybe they were games, I don't know, but it was probably school-related stuff for her specialty. And the father bought her a... Microsoft Surface RT, thinking this would be a great complement to her Windows life and so take over the heavy-duty lifting from the aging notebook, and she'd be able to run her x86 apps. Except, not true, Surface RT has an ARM processor, and it doesn't run x86 apps. And so they, but it was a low price, and so I think the father was a little bit undereducated and got seduced into buying this. And so they were there shopping, trying to solve the problem. And I think they were edging towards just buying her a new PC notebook 
you know, like one of these nifty little low end 13 inch lightweight PC notebooks running Windows 8 or something like that for three or $400, which would solve her problem, send her off to college with a new computer that ran her apps. So I tried to relate the story as best as I could. There was an early point where we suggested in discovery, you know, if maybe they wanted to just dump the whole Windows thing and move over to an iPad, considering that, you know, that she wanted to get into notebook, she wanted to get into tablet computers. But then right away, you know, we found out that, no, she was tied to these x86 apps. All oh, the readers jumped all over me. It was terrible. Oh, you should never have steered it toward an iPad. You're just an Apple fanboy. But, you know, it was just part of the idle discussion. And I'm not exactly sure where it came in in the discussion, but it was it was realized very early that she had to stay in the Windows world. And so I talked a little bit about how customers need to be careful, how complexity benefits companies in some ways, uh, because it, the, the complexity has, has the good side of allowing the company to, to hide behind its loss of focus. And the bad side is, is that there's almost always buyer remorse. No matter what you buy in a complex environment, you discover the next day, oh, you could have bought something else. If you'd only upgraded a little bit or bought a different version in part of that complex universe, you would have been happier. So I wrote about how Apple keeps things simple. You know, you have one iPad, you have one iPad mini. You, know, you don't have different operating systems. There's a million apps. They all run on the iPad. There's 250,000 or so dedicated, you know, full-time or universal apps that, that are designed for the iPad. Every app in the app store that you buy for the iPad runs on the iPad. Whereas with Microsoft, you can only buy apps from the Microsoft store for the RT. And then the readers were complaining, well, they're all free. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, that may be true, but we don't know what kind of apps this young woman needed. And maybe that uh, any, any app that was any good that she needed, you know, might have been something that, that you need to pay for. If she had to pay for it again in the store, she wouldn't be happy. And if it wasn't in the store at all, she wouldn't be happy. And, and, and so, you know, the, the situation is somewhat difficult for customers trying to wade their way through the situation. Of course, I'm not the first person by far to call into question Microsoft's strategy of releasing Windows 8 simultaneously with the Windows RT. Uh, with its own operating system. So I kind of explored that, talked about technical complexity, talked about the beauty of the Apple environment, kind of lamented that, you know, she got herself into trouble by, or her father did, by being caught up in Microsoft's agenda, Windows forever, Office forever, and we're going to put it on a tablet. And that forced certain scenario that can confuse customers. Compare that to the joy of Apple. You know, you want to, you want a Mac, you buy Mac apps. You want an iPad, you buy iPad apps on the iPad for the iPad. Everything's cool. Everything's pretty straightforward as far as I'm concerned. And it was a, it was a neat little story. It got a lot of comments though, because it's, it, you know, I, I can tell when an article gets wide distribution. The, the first stage of a good article is, is that, you know, our regular readers chime in. But then when you start seeing some really strident and hateful and uninformed and just plain mean people responding, then you know you've hit the mainstream because now you're all over the internet and you have lots of people 
are responding, who got quite off the track, by the way, and we're missing the, the spirit of the article. Of course, that's never happened before, has it? Only every so, other week. That was a fun one. Yeah, well, this is part of the problem with the way the thing's being marketed, <laughs> you know, where they're not making it quite clear that the Windows RT model of the Surface does not run regular Windows apps. They've confused customers. The advertising doesn't illuminate anyone. It's just a big mess, and I gather that it hasn't gone over very well. We've got a lot more to talk about, especially why the street, we're talking about Wall Street, not the publication he works for, doesn't really understand Tim Cook. More to come with John Martellaro and Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network the genesis communications network g c n if you want to get your website online and you need reliable service first class service at the lowest possible price there's only one place to go well dreamhost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space unlimited bandwidth one click web apps such as wordpress 24 7 support you can save over 55 dollars you want to know how go to dreamhost.com radio dreamhost.com radio first case attack of the rockoids and it was a critically acclaimed success and now there's the coming of the protectors a former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the earth this is gripping science fiction of the classic kind attack of the rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s.com we travel so much, and having a fake TV, well, it gives added peace of mind. Burglars look for houses that appear to be easy targets, but fake TV can fool even professional burglars into thinking someone is home watching television. As a recent widow living alone, it gives me great peace of mind to set my fake TV near a window and know that passing motorists and pedestrians will think someone is home watching TV when I'm actually away from home. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet, just like a light on a timer. And they're so easy to use, you just plug them in and they're ready to go. Plus, they're so affordable that we have one upstairs and downstairs. Fake TV is only $29.95 with free shipping. Order your fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. Now you can get the same survival food U.S. Special Forces use on their toughest field missions. High-protein, high-energy, freeze-dried foods known as long-range patrol rations or LERPs. Soldiers love LERP rations. They're lightweight and easy to carry. Easy to prepare by just adding water. Easy to enjoy because they taste great. Civilians love LERPs as a solution for emergency preparedness and recreational activities with limited storage space, such as hiking, climbing, sailing, or RV travel. 
Veteran-owned Freeze-Dry Guy is your exclusive source for this 2013 U.S. military overrun. Long on nutrition, these delicious entrees have a long shelf life, lasting decades. But this rare opportunity, this limited supply, will not last long. You have to act now. Call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD. Or log on now to freezedryguy.com, freezedryguy.com. It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. But don't worry. HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA four-herb capsules, elderberry power, and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain, normally $26.95, now just $20. HerbalHealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click the Winter Specials button to save on our natural cold and flu fighting products. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. On the Tech Night Out Live with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer and also The Street, where he does a column. Obviously, Apple was really dinged pretty hard for releasing financials that actually were pretty close to their own guidance. Let's just remember that. They were quite close to their own guidance, yet Wall Street wasn't so impressed. The article at The Street was called How Apple CEO Tim Cook Infuriates Investors. That was at The Street posted on January 30th. And the thesis there was derived from a conversation during Apple's earnings reports that Tony Saganacci had with Tim Cook. Tony Saganacci's with Bernstein Research. And he built up a very logical, it seemed, sequence of arguments that said, look, we know you build great products and we know you're focused I'm building the best there is, but isn't all that in line with an aspiration to grow your market at least as fast as the market? And he pointed out that the smartphone market is growing at the 40% rate, but Apple's unit sales are only growing at about a 20% year rate. And so the, the suggestion was, is that Apple's not keeping up with the market, that they're being swamped by other products. They're losing unit share over time in the marketplace. And I, and Tim Cook had a very instructive response, and I wrote about that at the Mac Observer. But then what it led me to was thinking deeply about why unit share is not that important. I think investors hark back to the days when Microsoft had 95% operating system share and really called the shots. And I, I think they recall the days when the iPad was beating up on the competition. Remember 2011 when Hewlett Packard was really working hard on the touchpad and then they came out with it and it was 
canceled after six weeks. The sales were so bad. And then we saw the first uh, Motorola Zoom, which was uh, uh, not really very great. And we had the BlackBerry Playbook, which didn't even have an email system. And so in 2011, other tablets were the laughing stock. And, and Apple had 70 or 80% market share of tablets. Well, in time, of course, companies get smart and they compete more effectively. Samsung got really smart. Amazon got really smart, started building and delivering tablets that people want. But investors want Apple to continue to dominate the competition the way that iPad dominated in 2011 or the way Microsoft dominated the PC market in the 90s. And the reason they want that is because if you can achieve market dominance, pummel the other guys, there's no limits to your growth. Competitors are not dragging you down. They're not causing you problems. You can just, it's like, you know, a balloon in a vacuum. You know, you can just continue to grow. And, and, and that kind of growth in the company, unfettered by competition, means that you're going to get bigger and stronger at a rapid rate and you're a growth company. You can invest in Apple and you can make money, this money in your pocket. That was happening all through 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12. You could buy Apple stock. You know, it started out in the 200s and then three, 400s. And we thought, wow, it can't go any higher. And went five, 600, it zoomed to 700. All along the way, investors were investing in Apple and they were extracting money from Apple. So people would get enthusiastic about Apple's beating up on the competition, buy stock, and then shrewd investors would take other people's money by selling and they would profit from Apple. So the whole idea behind an imposed strategy on Apple is, look, you have to behave yourself in such a way that if we invest money in you, we can extract money. We can make a profit. Well, that means that Apple has to dominate. And so there's this every Apple earnings call, there's this outcry for, you know, why aren't you beating the competition? Why aren't you growing at the same rate or beating the Android? Why, why don't you have 80% market share? Well, what I did was, and that's a bankrupt philosophy, because in this market, unlike the declining PC market, in this market, everybody's jumping in. Everybody's making tablets. Everybody's making smartphones. But only one company is making the best. And so if Apple were to try to achieve unit share, they would have to sell a whole lot more. And what does that mean? Lower the price, lower the quality. Apple would destroy its brand. And then the next thing I did was I went and I looked at, instead of unit share, I looked at unit sales. And I plotted the growth of iPhone sales ever since it started. And I looked at the curve, which I showed at the street. And if you drew a, a best fit curve through there, it looked an awful lot like the rising part of the Gaussian. And this, the classic Gaussian curve is a very important curve in mathematics and growth and science. And it starts off exponentially and rises and then reaches a peak and then declines exponentially and then disappears. And we all want to see our products on the climbing part of that Gaussian curve growing exponentially. And of course, that means that Apple's philosophy about building the best is sound. It means that in general, subject to seasonal fluctuations, uh, their sales of iPhones continue to climb, climbing on a Gaussian curve. 
This is a good thing. That means that Apple's not going to be going out of business. It means Apple's making money. They're meeting their expectations. You know, it's no mean feat. You just talked about Apple meeting their guidance. You have to do things to meet guidance. You have to make products that people want, and you can't frustrate them. If Apple were to say or lower the price of the iPhone 5C or make a really dirt cheap smartphone that wasn't very cool, people would say, oh, Apple's standards are deteriorating. They're building a cheap phone. Other half of the people would say, oh, we want a cheap Apple phone because we know Apple phones are so cool and they're giving them away for nothing. And then demand would be so great, Apple couldn't meet demand through manufacturing. People would be pissed because they couldn't get a cheap phone, which they want. It'd be like, you know, those one-day sales. BMW or Lexus says, oh, we're going to sell you uh, a CTS this week for, you know, $9,000. And then you can't get one. You're pissed. So there's this... In this hot competition area, Apple has to be careful with its brand. And if it tries to attain dominance and unit share, it's going to have to do things that are going to destroy its brand. It won't be able to meet demand in the short term. People will start bad-mouthing Apple products because they're clearly trying to you know, appeal to the masses and build cheap stuff. Other companies will see that, seize the initiative, start building really good equipment and start pointing to Apple building lousy, cheap stuff. Apple will have destroyed its brand. So this whole stock market thing is basically investors want to see Apple do things that put money in their pocket. And Apple says, no, we're going to satisfy the customer and we're going to do things that put money in our pocket and we're going to stay true to our standards. And guess what? iPhone sales are growing exponentially from you know zero in 2007 to 30 million a quarter in 2011, to 51 million a quarter in in 2014. Now, I think that's good, and it represents a a strong, healthy, prosperous company. I think Tim Cook's being a good steward doing that. And if the investors aren't making any money, well, it's too bad. Well, of course, one criticism they make is that now they're seeing Android smartphones and Android tablets grow at a faster rate, except that growth is largely in the lower-priced arena. It is. It's happening in China. You know, there's a lot of white box makers in China where they're just throwing out smartphones right and left. But guess what? People aren't really using them the way they use a, an iPhone um, in, the, in the Western world for communication. We look at the statistics and we see that, that even though the iPad and the iPhone don't have dominance in market share, they, they've got dominance in Internet share. People are doing useful, productive things on those. So complaining that Apple should try to dominate by selling the same crap that white box manufacturers are making in Europe with cheap tablets and and cheap smartphones is is not the way Apple wants to go. And every earnings sessions, Tim Cook explains that calmly and carefully to the analysts and says, we're only going to build the best. And that's our philosophy. And, And the investors are not tuning in to Tim's cook code when he says that cook code ladies and gentlemen we'll get into what that means in our next segment with john martellaro and gene steinberg on the tech night out live we are the premier independent talk radio network the genesis communications network g c n neighbors are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, 
Tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for under $30,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet under $30,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Take delivery in spring. 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ships same day. Plus, all orders over $49 ship free. MyPatriotSupply.com is American owned by patriots like you, passionate about freedom and preparedness. Call now, 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. Or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at MyPatriotSupply.com. Choose the original. Choose the Survival Seed Vault at MyPatriotSupply.com. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg.
John Martellaro and Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. What, pray tell, is Cook code? Well, it's just the way he talks about Apple. And the thing is, you've got to kind of take him at his word. You see, part of the problem with executives is it's generally assumed that the executives are lying. Everything is spun through some corporate communications department. And we assume that anything Tim Cook says is carefully considered and probably also filtered through other people in the corporate communications department. But it doesn't mean that you can't take him at his word for the most part. That's right. Tim Cook, uh, if you listen to his earnings, to the Apple earnings report every quarter, you know, you can go to apple.com slash, I think it's PR, and then you can get a link to this and you can listen in uh, with QuickTime on your computer. And um, I I think you have to be using uh, Safari. I think if you try to use a different browser, it won't work, but I haven't tested it lately. You, You hear a person who's very thoughtful, considered, he knows what he can say and can't say. He knows what the SEC will not like him to say. He knows what other companies would seize upon if he were to, you know, say something, spilling a secret or something like that. Um, he's, he's shrewd, he's measured, he's thoughtful, he knows what he wants to communicate. But you have to listen to his words and, and figure out in the context of what Apple does, why he's saying the things that he says. Now, he comes on NBC with Brian Williams, and he says, Apple TV is an area of intense interest to us, all right? And there are all sorts of discussions, I mean, dozens of articles a week about Apple and next-generation television. So what do investors do? Well, they say, well, there's no product. There's no Apple TV. You know, what are you doing? In the Street article, I, I, I mentioned that when you're in the rising part of the Gaussian curve, that's the right time to be developing the next-generation product. You don't want to get behind the curve by being on the downside of sales and being in a panic to rush a product out to market because then you've got a declining current product. You've got a declining product, and so you're in trouble there, and then you're desperate for revenue, and you you push an unsatisfactory half-baked product out to market to make up for the fact that your previous product is not doing well. You get behind the curve. All right, but Apple's in the rising part of the smartphone curve and the rising part of the iPad sales curve. This is the right time to be pouring money into Jonathan Ive and Craig Federici and the engineering team to be building a next generation product. But the investors say, no, we want it now. It's like kids, you know, Christmas Eve. You know, we want it now. We've heard from, from Tim Cook already that it's coming. He gave us a Christmas present, and he sent that letter to the Apple employees, remember? And he said, we've got some great products coming in 2014 that I think customers are going to love. Well, you know, let's be confident that he's going to deliver. He better deliver. He knows he has to. And Apple tends to deliver. Okay. So why can't we be patient and say, okay, that's cool? Let me throw something in here, John. And that is, all right, we understand if you upgrade an existing product line, when you announce that upgrade, you basically destroy sales of the current models. They're ready for the closeout bit. But there are times when Apple will announce something early and get people really going on it weeks or months before it's released. Mac Pro. The Mac Pro, for example, because in a sense, the sales are pretty well more abundant anyway, and they already promise a new model. So they show us that. Certainly a new OS ten or iOS version. But if Apple enters a new market, as they did in 2007 with the iPhone, then they could have 
a preview three or four months early saying, in the next three, four months, this is a sample of what you're going to see. Now, we understand the competition might be freaked and want to come out with an imitation, but they can't do that in three or four months. And they've probably already come out with products that anticipate Apple, such as you see new smart TV sets over at the Consumer Electronics Show and Roku. Yeah, and Samsung and- Gear. Pardon? Samsung, Samsung Gear. Sure, and for smartwatches, and certainly Roku is moving their technology to TV sets, trying to expand their market. So we see different things taken already in advance of what Apple might do. But if Apple gets up there, not six or eight months away, but when they have a fairly good handle on the final stage of the development process, they can actually show something, say, this is what you're going to see this fall, just as they did with the Mac Pro. This is the new operating system. This is the new product that we've never done before. And this is going to set the industry afire. But they're not killing a current product. They're simply... Sure. Well, the iPhone didn't kill the iPod. No, because the the iPhone was a new category. But the question is, what is the what is the right time to do that? There's a if, if we have some time. There's a famous story I remember about Arthur Clarke, and he said, you know, if you could travel, if you could travel one uh, one hundredth of the speed of light, you could get to Alpha Centauri in four hundred years. But, I can't wait. I'm going to leave on the next spaceship. Right, but if you wait fifty years, the technology says well, I can get there at ten percent of the speed of light. It only take me forty years to get there. You pass the previous spaceship on the way. All right. So there's a, and then if you can travel the speed of light, you can get there four years. That ship would pass the other two ships very early. So there's a, there's an optimum time to wait. You don't want to leave too early. Of course, there's always warp drive when you can get there in three days. (laughs) Right. So there's, so the question is when you're in the rising part of the sales curve of the iPhone, is there a panic? to pre-announce a new product. Investors want you to do that so that they can see you as beating up on the competition, having something so cool that nobody else has, that their friends and other people will furiously pour money into Apple stock, and they can pull money out of Apple stock as it grows, and then you've got got a growth stock that earns the money. But that's not Apple's agenda. Apple's agenda is introduce the product at the right time. What if the engineering team comes back and says, well, we're having production problems with this component. We need six more months to iron out the issues. You know, and, and then you, you, you look at where your other products are going. You look at some infrastructure. Do you need some infrastructure to help out? Now, uh, for, for example, maybe there's a great synergy between iBeacon and the iWatch. You know, or maybe something we haven't thought of where, you know, you're in the mall. Do you really want your phone to bang on you, you know, about a sale that's going on at Macy's? You know, you may not have it on, might not be in the right mode, but if you look at your watch and it says, ah, everything in Macy's home kitchen department is 20% off, you just glanced at your watch to see what time it is. It's seamless. It's graceful. So there might be technologies and infrastructure requirements before you want to jump into the iPhone. There might be key technologies like a sapphire crystal that you want to introduce on a small watch. No, Uh I understand, and we have to wrap up in two minutes, though. I understand that certain things may not be resolved, but when Apple's at the point where they know that this is going to be out in three or four months, they pretty well have taken care of preliminary Mm -hmm. production issues. They got the prototypes out. They know it's working, so at worst, it will take a month longer. So if they're conservative about their 
release estimates is okay. There's no harm no. in producing no, the announcement. But they, you, as you no. say, if you do it too early and there are problems, production problems or anything, right. you lose your momentum. You give the edge to the competition who will be coming exactly. out with their answers. So you have to right. do this strategically at the right time, knowing that you've got the problems resolved and you've got the product ready to go. That's Apple's call, not the analysts and investors. Obviously. John Martellaro, where do we find more of the things you write about? Uh, you can find me as senior editor at the Mac Observer, www.macobserver.com. And generally on Thursday morning, you'll see a new article from me at The Street www.thestreet.com. That's fascinating. And you can find us, by the way, at technightowl.com. That's technightowl.com. On Twitter, we are also known as Tech Night Owl. Plus, we've got another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And this week, we feature on the Paracast a very prolific online blogger and broadcaster... He uses the name Red Pill Junkie, which is a reference, by the way, to The Matrix. It's not to anything else. At Paracast.com, that's Paracast.com. But here on the Tech Night Out Live, John Martellero, thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. I'll see you next time. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.